0: Watching or listening to episode 21 of VIP Boxing's Bell to Bell podcast. You can watch us on VIP YouTube or search us on Spotify on iTunes and have a listen. If you can leave a review, particularly on iTunes, it helps them plug it and we can move, move up a bit in their ratings. Um, I'm Steve Lillis, um, with me, my regular co pilot, John Evans. You sound there, John? It's your Wi Fi yeah, working now? Everything's working there. Good to go. How are you? Good mate, I'm good. Got a good guest for you this week, John. A man who's got you get if you get rewards out of boxing for what you put in, I think this man got it. Um, former European World Aweight Champion, WBC, light middleweight title challenger, Matthew Hatton. Thanks for coming on, Matthew. Are you okay?
1: I'm good, thank you, Steve. And my pleasure, mate. Always great to speak to you, pal.
0: Top man. Um, just speaking briefly before one before we come on, we started recording the 10th anniversary last week of the fight versus Canelo, I don't know your emotions um, of, of it, but um, it was a top five week for, for me as a journalist, so lucky to have been around them, everything that went on that weekend, from being locked out of the way in all the media, because of the rows going on over the weight, you were training at a school where no one spoke English, to Adrian Broner, and I think you said he had a white suit on and that mad entourage and to Adrian Broner getting pelted with bottles by mad Mexicans when he got a decision over, <laughs> and then Daniel Ponce to Leona. So much to remember, wasn't there, from that week?
1: There was so much to remember, and, you know, we was chatting before, before we come on. from memories, mate, great times. Uh, like you say, we've always been close, and, you know, the people that used to come over to support me, really good people following me everywhere, some real characters, mate, and over the years... Fighting in, in different countries, different areas, uh, some belting stories, as you well know, mate. So really good times. Yeah, Matthew, is is that the is that the memory that stands out and the the night and
2: the fight that stands out most in your career, or do you take more pride in like winning the European title? When you think back over your career, which one is the the night and the fight which
1: sticks comes instantly to mind? The fight for me, John, is is when I won the European title. Yeah. Um, it was a big, big night for me, and uh, especially when so many people had wrote me off early on in my career, yeah. most people were saying I wouldn't even box for a British title, let alone win a British title or a European champion. So it was a sweet, sweet night. Um, I never lacked belief in myself, and even when I was losing fights early on, uh, I didn't have a vast amateur experience. So I lost a few fights early on and people was writing me off. But I did always believe in myself and and, and thought I, I could get there one day. So, uh, mate, when I won that European title and I heard those magical words, it was a sweet memory, mate. It was a bit of a, like that, to, to <laughs> a few people. And uh, I've always been a stubborn character. And I think part of that's part of what drove me on as well. When, when people used to write me off, um, I, I believed in myself. And, and I wanted to prove people wrong. So even though the Canelo fight is what most people generally want to speak to me about, whenever anyone wants to speak to me about boxing, uh, it is in, invariably the Alvarez fight. But the, the night that sticks out for me was when I, when I captured that European title. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Just got to ask you one thing about Alvarez. I know we spoke about it a lot over the years. There was someone the other day put um, the highlights of the seventh round in there, where he, he really caught you, didn't he? How, what, what, what does it take... Wouldn't it take you mentally and physically to get through those last five rounds after round seven? Was that a big shot? It
1: was tough. It was, you know, he he was so strong, Steve. uh, Very heavy-handed. And it was a really, really tough night. He caught me with some fantastic body shots, uh, which hurt me more than the head shots, to be honest. And I think it was the seventh round, you know, he was getting really on top of me. He was really piling on the pressure. And I thought what what can I do here for a little bit of a respite? So uh, I stuck one downstairs on him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he leapt back and then he, he he cracked me on the braid, and, and then again, I thought, it is another chance for a little bit of a respite. So, mate, a little bit of acting involved, went down for a little bit, but the referee was not <laughs> having none of it. He told me to get up and, on, and the onslaught
0: continued. And you're loving life training now, yeah?
1: I am, yeah, very pleased in what I do. I mean, uh, I've always been a boxing fan. That's why I I originally got into boxing. And I still am now. Uh, I've got a gym in Stockport. We do various different things at the gym. Uh, We do different things in the Stockport community for for kids getting involved in in, in knife crime and stuff like that. So I've got a lot of projects that I do at the gym. Uh, I do classes, courses, but obviously my main... My main passion is still training the professionals. That's still what excites me. I think when people leave boxing, they're struggling for for something to excite excite them. And even though it isn't the same as fighting yourself, it's the next best thing. And uh, it's still the first thing I I think about in the morning and and last thing at night. You know, I really enjoy coaching. Even when I was fighting, I I always had one eye on on coaching. It was something that always interested me and was always, always going to be a natural progression when I finished boxing.
2: Quick quick one, Matthew, before we get started. I've been on um, the Luke Evans train since his debut. I, I think Luke's got loads of talent. I know he's, he's had his problems outside and maybe a few of Luke's problems have been between the ears probably. Um, how, how's Luke doing? Is he ready to go now? Are we, we going to see what Luke
1: can do? Well, do you know what, John? I, I'm with you 100%. Even I, I took one of my fighters down to spar Luke when Luke was 18 years of age. Yeah. And I remember watching him and thinking, wow, what a talented, what a level-headed. He was so cool, so composed. Picked his punches really well. So I followed him from that moment on. Uh, I never had a, uh, an inkling that I, I would coach him one day. Um, but he's someone that's always really, really impressed me. I, I've always rated Luke. And I'm not just saying it because I'm coaching him now. Uh, I've always really, really rated him. Um, so I'm really hoping now, that we're going to see the best because when I say he's the most talented fighter I've worked with and, you know, I've I've coached quite a few fighters um, over the last few years now. And Luke's a super talented guy. You're exactly right there. Um, I'd like to see him believe in in himself a little bit more, a little bit more of a nasty streak um, because he's capable of so much more than he's producing. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping this is the year that, that people are really going to see what he can do because I certainly believe in him. I really, really do. I think uh, I think the potential he's got is limitless, really, uh, and I don't say that lightly. Again, if he gets the mental side uh, to go with the physical attributes, make you looking at a star. Uh, I know Steve Wood, who, who who manages him, he he really rates Luke highly. But you know we can't keep saying this time and time again. Now now's the time he's got to do it.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, we'll crack on, Matthew. Um, regular watchers and listeners will know how this works. It's real quick stuff, quick fire, no mucking about. Six topics, three minutes each. And Matthew, if you're still talking after the three minutes, just imagine you know, when you've sat at home and you've had your Sunday dinner with Jenna and the kids, and you're looking at that watch, and at about six, she gives you that pass out to go to the pub all night. You get that <laughs> you look back like it's going out of fashion. You're having a right Sunday before the gym. And that last orders bell goes, and you don't want to get home when you're angry. That's what happens when John rings the bell. That's what it's like. So show, him, show, him, get your get your big bell out, John.
1: We're <laughs> we on eight all great now.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, I've not heard that. Hey, I've not heard that bell for last orders for a while. He's putting our memories back in me. I'd made me
0: mouth watering here. <laughs> I think what, April the twelfth, when them gardens are open, mate. If the sun's out, you'll you'll be you'll be around that afternoon, mate. You'll be having a few of them Guinnesses that day.
1: Hey, I'll be one of the first in there, but I've got, I, I can tell you'll be there before me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to do a competition. Everyone will get their right answer in seconds. <laughs> I,
1: think kid, I think our kid is going to pitch his tent in the garden. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, John, Faraway, away. Round one, your first topic.
1: Get
2: the timer going. Right, let's start with um, Liam Beefy-Smith. Now, he's been in the news this week. He's going over to Manny Robles for a trial, isn't he? might be leaving uh, Joes over in Manchester and going over there for a, a final fling in his career. I, I think Liam's been one of our most underrated and probably least appreciated fighters over the past decade. Um, goes about it in the right way, I think. A, a real hard-nosed fella enjoys what he does, um, doesn't shirk a challenge. When he's been in at the highest level, I think he's done himself pretty proud with Canelo. Didn't go the distance like you, Matthew, but I think he's done himself proud with Canelo and Jaime Munguia. Um, 32 now, and the fact that he's going over to Manny Robles shows that he's still got plenty of ambition there in the tank. You know, it's, it's a hard gym, isn't it, with plenty of hard sparring? So the fire must still be in Liam. Um I just hope we get to see him one more time just to show what he can do. I, I think there's something still left in Liam, and I'd just like him to get the appreciation. I think he's probably earned over the past decade.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was always a big fan of Liam Smith. Um, again, his inside work was amazing. Once it the variety, the way he used to open people up was fantastic. He's never shirked anyone. No nonsense attitude, and you'd love to see him get another shot at it, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, look, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of Liam's. I was around him that Canelo fight, and I've been around you know, during the Box Nation days. I did a lot with him, and uh, what. What I love about him is that he's got that nastiness about him,
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Going in there to hurt you. Like, i got someone like you, Matthew. You was a very mm. serious man leading up to a fight. You know, some guys joke and all that. You had that look about you at a weigh, and you know, that nastiness. Maybe we were talking that Luke Evans needs to instill. Mm. Maybe you know, look at you how, how you would be before a weigh and live, live. and, that, and, that, that, and that, that's what I love. I love those type of fighters when they go in there they're just intent on doing whatever they can to hurt you and beat you up. Um, I'm guessing that if he's going to stay with Manny, it must be some sort of big fight he's, he's going to have because it's pretty costly staying in America. Manny, won't, Manny Robles won't come cheap. So I'm hoping, that, and, I, and I'm guessing that Eddie's got him some sort of fight um, lined up. You know, look, you know, um, it's a tricky one with him leaving Joe. Joe's maybe had his best years with him, done a good job with him. Um, but, You know what, as long as, you know, I always think, you know, fighters, lead trainers, all, all you know, often I'm sure you'll experience it as your career develops. As long as that person tells the trainer why, I think I know. I don't have an issue with it.
1: Yeah, and and the thing that strikes me with Liam, yeah, he did have that really nasty street in him. And he's his own man, didn't he? He does his own thing. Um, And again, the fact that he's gone over there shows his ambition there. But again, that's another thing that I like about Liam. Very stubborn carry, he had that nasty streak in him. And he's always done his own thing, Anti. I think sometimes when his brothers was with a certain promoter, he does his own thing, he's his own man, in he? And you've got to admire that. Um uh,
0: well, my first topic, round two. Will anything come close? Um, I'm speaking about Ali versus Frazier, which was 50 years ago this week. Will any fight ever be spoken around the world with the same love as that? It wasn't just a fight in the century. But I think it was probably the biggest sporting event of all time, not because of the Frazier win, but the overtones like Vietnam. Ali refused the military um, military drafting. I think it was '67. He was banned for three years from boxing. Come back against, I think it was Oscar Bonavina and Jerry Quarry. I'm not sure what order in 1970, and then went into the Frazier fight. And Joe was the working class hero from Philadelphia. You know, a blue collar city. You know, boxing it was a great match. The Stars, former Olympic champions, every round was intense and fierce. And, uh, you know what, I just don't think there's I, I just wonder if is there is there... Is no fight out there at the moment that will ever be held in the same esteem. Um, it's like we saw the Lewis Bruno, um, oh, sorry, the, the Tyson and Bruno documentary on Sky. But that, that sort of is held in esteem in this country. It's like Fury and Joshua will. You know, your brother Ricky against Mayweather hat will be spoken about in 50 years. But it's fights that are spoken about globally. And will there ever be another one?
1: Like you say, mate, you when you when you combine all those things as you were talking then, Steve, you know, inside the ring, outside the ring, everything that was going on, it's the perfect storm, wasn't it, for a big fight? It really wasn't it all come together and what a night. So I'm not too sure, mate. Yeah, I I just
2: can't see anything touching
1: that. Things get bigger over time
2: as well, don't they? You know, suddenly over the next 10 years, it's not going to diminish, is it? People aren't going to be... It's not suddenly going to go from fight of a century to the fight of the 1970s, is it? It's it's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. We'll still keep producing these special um, pull-out features on the 75th anniversary and the 100th anniversary, and it'll just probably remain the fight of a century. we probably end up becoming the fight of a millennium at some point.
0: Yeah, but that, the amazing thing of it was, they also, um, the journalists had to wear baseball caps, didn't they, that night in the ring, because they were expecting trouble. So if the New York police come in and smash everyone up, they knew not to hit the geezers with a red baseball cap <laughs> on, because they're
2: the... <laughs> I mean... Was, was Frank, Frank Sinatra was a, a ringside photographer, wasn't he?
0: magazine, I think Colin Hart is one of the few living journalists who were there, who was there. Oh, what a fa-
1: I mean, like you say, could you imagine being there and, and being there to 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 save that event? Like you say, Colin Hart, one of the lucky ones, fantastic.
0: You know, and I think ringside tickets were $150, which there was astronomical. And um, I mean, it was something like, um, oh, Bob Aaron got six of them as his lawyer, and that's worth about fifty-five thousand dollars off now. Well,
2: Matthew, your first topic.
0: You want to talk about, to talk about fighters becoming refs? Yeah, or, or, or getting
1: involved in, in in officiating in some way, whether it's refereeing or judging. Um, again, you, you don't you just don't really see it. And uh, I do think fighters have have got a better understanding of the game, former fighters sometimes. And we're seeing some diabolical decisions, aren't we? It's happening time and time again. And I think the former fighters obviously know the sport; they know everything that goes into the sport. Um, we know outside influences shouldn't, shouldn't uh, affect judges sometimes uh, and referees, but we know it does happen, and I just think it, it could be possibly uh, a good route for the future. I don't know what your guys, your two guys' thoughts are on it.
2: Yeah, we've we mentioned this um, a few weeks ago, and we just couldn't see a downside to it, Matthew. Uh, I know Chris Twenty Jenkinsons recently retired, and I'm sure I saw him mentioning probably going down the refereeing route, and mm. these guys have. For someone like Twinn, he's seen everything, hasn't he? You know, he's been under fire in a corner from a prospect. He he he'll know the right time to step in. He's upset people, so he he knows when the scorecards can be fair. And when you just you think about somebody like that, they don't even really need to go on a course. Yeah, they might need to pressure on the rules and stuff, but you could pretty much put him straight in, couldn't you? Absolutely. It's just insane why these people aren't being fast tracked. Yeah, I
0: mean, a lot lot of the the referees are former fighters and. You know we've got to remember that. Um, but what, what I've noticed is we're not—we don't seem to be having as referees coming through now. There's a few, but they don't seem to be, any of them seem to be ex-pros. And I know um, Chris Jenkins chris um, 20 Jenginson there has spoke about getting through. But I'm not going to name them. But I, still, I know of I two other fighters. One's been trying for two years. Another's been trying himself, and his ex-manager's been pushing the Central Area Council on it. And they're they're just they're just hitting a brick wall. They're not even getting replies or anything anything positive back to encourage them. And I just think we just do need this new you know also public relations wise sort of ball, which they've had a lot of stick lately. If they were showing they're bringing through these new referees, and you know, and, and didn't keep it all secret what they how they operate. I just think it would do them so so much good as well. And it doesn't mean they're going to be great referees at, at all um, by any stretch of the game. but give them a try and, you know, have them scoring bouts from outside and then give them some trial, trial bouts. Um, to I say, certainly,
1: yeah. I certainly oh, think John's spot on there. You know, maybe a little bit different with the referee, and obviously there's a lot of rules and stuff like that, but John made a very good point there, someone like Twinny or myself. As long as you've got no allegiance to certain fighters... I could sit there and like to think I do a pretty good job of, of of judging a contest without any training. I don't think your <coughs> former fighters would need any training. The time. Go um, let's go on
2: to you. This rumor of uh, I think it's a terrible rumor of Eubank Junior fighting Kelbrook. Now we we know we understand how boxing works, don't we? You know, um an up and coming fighter uses an older fighter to boost their own profile, don't they? they pick the right fight, they pick the right weight, they pick the right time and they go over the older fighter and and progress on themselves. Eubank Jr. doesn't need to do that, you know, he's, he's got a massive name, he's got a massive profile, he's one of the most exciting and charismatic fighters I think there is in Britain. Um, if Kel took that fight, it's purely a cash-out. I don't see what Eubank gains from it. Um I know for Southlands or want to bring Eubank and relaunch him with a big mega event to launch their sort of partnership that's going on. But I just think there's so many other opponents you could do that with Eubank. I think I understand the thinking behind it. I understand boxing's a business, but that just seems to me like entirely the wrong fight for Chris Eubank Jr. to be taking.
0: I don't like it. One, I owe to it. First thing I said to you, John, I first heard it about, Oh, well, a week after he went with a sale and someone I know in Sheffield told me they were discussing that fight. And I just don't like it. Um, Kel is, to me, the cruel look. He lost to Terence Crawford, but what worry, you know, there's nothing to be ashamed in losing to Crawford almost, you know, that you defeated by Canelo when 12 rounds. That, you can look on that with pride when you look at that now, you know, what he's doing now. But in that Crawford fight, the first time Crawford opened up in that round four, was it? He just fell apart. And that's what disturbs me about this fight. And something we were talking about earlier Eubank's nasty. And he, he won't give a monkey about hurting him full stop.
1: Absolutely. It's, I mean, it's boxing has been littered with it for years and it fighters going on. And when you think what a, the special one, and he was a special fighter, Brook. you know, his skills were fantastic. You know, he's gone on to, to achieve, you know, world champion, had a great career. But he's damaged goods now, I think, into Steve, he's damaged goods. And it's certainly, you know, his skill set, in my opinion. Is is higher than Eubanks, you know, but Eubanks is a hard, hard, tough man, and no, that's not a fight I'd like to see. Either Steve, to be to be fair.
2: No, I like Eubanks done reasonably well at super middleweight, hasn't he? You know, he's, mm. he's twenty odd pounds there, and you'll get people saying, "Well, Brook, you know, he did well with Golovkin, but I always got the sense with Brook and Golovkin, he was literally fighting for his life for five rounds yes. just to stay yeah, in it. there. You know, he, he he did land plenty, but that wasn't. I, I don't think that was it some kind of tactical master plan. I think that was doing everything he could to just keep Golovkin off him. I just think it's a a disaster waiting to happen, Eubank and Brook. I I just hope common
1: sense comes to play and we don't see it. Well, you know, we all turn professional to make money, don't we? But the Golovkin fight was always a crazy fight. Yeah, he'll have got really well paid for that. But let's not forget (laughs) that that. Kelbuk was world champion. He was damaged goods after that.
0: (laughs) Well, one... Interesting one is new, new any nuisance value or major players. This social networking at Triller who are paying fortunes for fights with uh, YouTubers and they bid that six point eight million was it last week for Tefimo Lopez and George Cambosis, and what winners the fighters are and I'm absolutely made up for Cambosas coughing two point one million dollars. Oh, I heard there's a few people be paid out. That is absolutely. I'm absolutely delighted for him. People, ain't thoughts, um, people are giving him a stick for copping this. Ain't he thought someone wants a big 6.8 million? And, uh, you know, the other winners are top-ranked, Lou Bella. Lou Bella I think, has had him for six fights, Camposas. He's promoting one of them himself. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of are happy hour shows and Hearn, Hearn shows. I just wondered at the Triller. I mean, what sort of impact do you think they can have in boxing? You know, because they're spending money. They can blow anyone out of the water with these purse bids. What if they launched their app in this country? What could what, what could they do in Britain? I mean, do you, do you think they're nuisance value or they're here to stay?
2: God, I... I the, the thing with Trilly, I, I just wonder if it might be... Um, not a short term, but a bit of a flash in the pan. When are people going to get bored of the YouTube fights? And when are people going to get bored of watching the legends on tour because that's what they're tagging these fights on to isn't it you know will the novelty of watching logan paul wear off or if tyson holyfield three is a stinker you know how long are people going to be willing to buy this app to watch these because that's what they're tagging these fights on for but god make hay while the sun shines that's what i'd be doing if there's any purse bids coming up you want to you want Triller to be in on it don't you
1: well, you know, I like to, you know, we're, we're proper boxing fans, aren't we? We've been involved in the sport for many years. And again, we do see these YouTubers like the likes of Jake Paul and stuff like that. We see it as a bit of a joke, don't we? But they bring a lot of people to the table. They bring a lot of new eyes to the sports. And I'm sure that the numbers, like you say, could you imagine if Logan Paul fought Tommy Fiore, the numbers that he do, it'd be incredible. So... These fellas behind it, yeah, will they be? Able, they'll follow the money. And these YouTubers, even though you're pure boxing people, see it as a bit of a joke. The money's there, isn't it? You know, the, the numbers are there, their their eyes are there.
0: I mean, wasn't you know you saw it? Wasn't one? I mean, when when Mike Tyson fought, um, I had that exhibition with Roy Jones. That done over a million buys, but how many actually? Was one of the YouTubers on that card as well, were not yeah. they? So how much was it How many people actually bought Tyson Holofield who um, are more there for the YouTubers I mean, that, that's what it is but you know what I think Wana here is great if they're spending 6.8 million and fighters are getting weighed in like that
1: absolutely it's a tough old sport and get, get every, every penny you can out so fair play to the fighters well um, Matthew final topic Matthew
0: you want Canelo yeah.
1: supporters absolutely yeah I mean it's uh, again I, I, I always hate to say it that someone is is unbeatable because, you know, I'm going to contradict myself here now, but I think sort of Alvarez is, is at that level now where he sort of almost is unbeatable for me around them weights. You don't see him hurt, you don't see him pick, picking up cuts, you don't see him in trouble in fights um, and, you know, he's boxed such good level of position but he's going through him like a knife through butter but I do think Billy Joe Saunders with the style, the footwork has got the, the right kind of style to cause him problems. Again, I think he'll cause him more problems than anyone's done recently. Can he beat him? I don't think so, but I think he'll certainly test him, and it's a fight I'm really interested in.
2: Yeah, I, I, I just wonder if Billy's got the pop, Matthew, to to keep him off. You know, if you're going into Canelo and only setting him one problem, you've got to think he'll work it out sooner or later. Like, Khan tried to outbox and stay away with speed, and Canelo just bided his time and and waiting for the right moment to to finish him. Mm. I just wonder yeah. if it might be something similar with Billy. Canelo's not going to panic if he's three rounds down, is he? And he, mm. he'll know that Billy Joe can't really hurt him, so he can afford to take risks. I just think he'll. He, I think it's pretty inevitable they'll catch him up with catch up with him.
0: Yeah, I'm I, 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 with you, John. I think, I think that's that's a great analogy. I don't think it will be as concussive the defeat as Amir Khan was, and he could get to the later range and be on his feet when he's rescued. or just been down once and. Stop. I mean, you know, who you know, you can certainly trouble him. But I think it's that like, anyway the way Canelo fights. His defense, the the educated pressure. I just think that slowly but surely, you know, Billy Joe for all his speed and movement, and you know, his defensive skills um, and technical ability, slowly but surely he'll get closer and more in range. And then once he gets in range, that's when Canelo. We'll get in his rhythm then. But as I said last week, we mentioned the fight briefly. I think also, Billy Joe needs to get I think I did say this last week, get some really good sparring partners in. I'd get sparring partners in better than he's ever thought because this is a massive step up to what, forget David Lemieux what was the great win. This is this, this is a massive step up to anywhere he's been since the last real test he had was Andy Lee. And what was that, six years ago? I'd be, I'd be even bringing over someone like Jacob, someone who's brilliant, who's world-class to give him problems in sparring.
1: And Canelo as well, you know, he's fighting so often recently, isn't he, you know, and Billy Joe hasn't been the most active. And for me, modern-day fighters don't fight often enough, and you need those training camps just to get the body hardened to it. You know, like you say, Canelo certainly, you know, is out, (coughs) is is, is Saunders going to be battle-hardened to it. Style-wise, I think he's got... Got the tools for causing problems, but I, I do agree, boys. I I, I do fancy Alvarez to win the fight. Time's finished there, Matthew. That's the end of it. Brilliant. Just one quick one, then. What's the most times you ever fought in a year? I had nine fights in my first year as a professional. Oh, so that's stiff going, isn't it? Considering there's not much amateur career there. Yeah, so I, I had. Like I say, I had, um, I, I turned professional at 19 and I had my first, my last fight when I was 31. So 10, 12 years, 52 fights in 12 years. So, yeah, a lot of them 12 rounders as well. So, yeah. for me, I, I would like to see modern day fighters a little bit busier. I, I think it doesn't matter what sort of level you're fighting at. I think three fights a year is perfect. Yeah.
0: yeah. It just with something chatting here before, it just become the trend, I think there seems to be trends in boxing you know it's great what canelo's doing you know by the time he fights may september he'd have had four fights in about 10 months but it's almost like boxers follow trends where mayweather would fight twice a year the klitschko's twice a year and everyone thought well that's what you do you fight twice a year because they're hard fights usually but how many of them were hard that klitschko went during his domination and mayweather having they were going rounds but it was hardly being tested were they
1: no, yeah, ex- exactly right. And like I say, sometimes you know you pick up injuries and you're on the sidelines, and that's inevitable in boxing. But while you, you you're fit, you're young, you're healthy, and, and and injury-free, I'd like to see fighters fighting a little bit more often. I really would.
0: Yeah. Hey, old school, you mate, you'd have him out every week, wouldn't you? Eh? <laughs> i tell you what, if Campbell Hatton's not had nine fights in his first year, mate, you're kicking <laughs> off, ain't you? I don't know if, <laughs> <laughs> Onto his dad, onto your dad, onto everybody. He should have nine fights. I did. <laughs> Fellas, thanks very much for this week. John, I'll speak in the week. Matthew, I'll let you go. I think you said you got Campbell coming in for some sparring or something now
1: yeah yeah no that's great mate great to speak to you and you too John thanks Matthew see you later mate
2: for all boxing info news and latest interviews amateur and pro across the north click and subscribe VIP boxing promotions also Twitter Instagram and Facebook